Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Yes, it is. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Bob Costas in a half hour on the Goodyear hotline. There just isn't anybody better or smarter or more interesting in the entire world of sports than Bob. So we'll talk to him about a million things. Speaking of interesting, did you see this? This just got sent to me by one of the Get Up staff members. Nuno, you're going to love this. Tom Brady Sr., whom we've had on this show and I've had on, on many shows for years. It goes without saying. He's Tom's dad. Cold called 98.5 The Sports Hub in Boston and said, quote, I started salivating when I saw that we're playing the Patriots the fourth game of the season. We're coming here to make our record 4-0. and He went on to say, we expect to beat the Patriots rather handily. <laughs> no, no. What do you think of that? I mean, I love it because he has a son who can back that up. That's what I mean. Like, like, like he, see, here's what I think Tom Sr. is. And again, I've had him on many times. And there's something about their relationship that I, I, the first time I talked to him, it really kind of touched me, you know, and, and hearing Tom as, as one who grew up with a dad who, who for, you know, I'm not an athlete, obviously, but I mean, I, I've dedicated basically my entire adult life to sports one way or another. And that's where I got it from. But anyway, I've always liked that relationship. But what you're getting from Tom Sr. is the truth. Right. Like that he's telling you what he really thinks. Mm-hmm. Like that's, you know, that's what Brady thinks because his dad is saying it. Like Brady won't say any of that because you're much better off not saying that. And Brady has figured that out over a brilliant two decade career in the public guy. But Tom Sr. is like, I don't give a damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he says the quiet part out loud. Exactly. He's like, I'm just saying what I feel like saying. What, who's, what's going to happen? So I love it. I love the fact that he did that, and I think it is fascinating. Now, a couple of other things from the NFL schedule release. Five primetime games for the Green Bay Packers. Do they know something we don't? And by they, I mean the people who make the schedule. Now, here's the thing. The NFL, they're so good. They're so smart. Now, they're just owning it right now. The way they owned the day yesterday was brilliant. Basically, every single one of the major networks in the, in the morning yesterday was talking about the NFL. They had CBS release their schedule. They had Today Show release the NBC schedule. I'm on Good Morning America releasing our schedule. Fox and Friends had the Fox schedule. Like, they just, they just know what they're doing over there. And so the question remains, is it possible someone involved in the making of the schedule knows something because... You put the Packers on primetime five times. Yes, there's a, an element of flexing them out of some of them, but still, that's one thing if it's Aaron Rodgers, and it's something very different if it's Blake Bortles. So my question is, is there any chance? Who's a conspiracy theorist in the group? Who's, who is my local, who is my... My resident, Bubba, Nuno, Devin, Hembo, who's a conspiracy theorist? I love, I love a good conspiracy, Greeny. Uh, okay, Devin, do you believe that that scheduling was made because someone knows that Rodgers is going to be in Green Bay. I think you have to factor factor it in. I think you absolutely do. You know, I realized that Roger Goodell was all-powerful. When? When the Super Bowl was here in New York. And if you remember that week, Mike and I are doing the show in the city. For like three or four days that week, it was freezing. It was so cold. It was like as cold as I can remember feeling doing the show in a very long time. That was when Jerry Seinfeld came by and all that. It was freezing in the city that week. By the time the game was played, remember, it was like the warmest February day in the history of New York. 
Obviously, the game is played across the river in Jersey, but you know my, what I'm saying. Can you look up quickly again what the temperature was for that Super Bowl? Stand by. It was beautiful. It was a golf day. It was like Roger Goodell just said, it shall be nice for the Super Bowl in New York, and it was. And you realize, my gosh, the NFL really can do absolutely anything they want to do. Have you got it there? It was ridiculous. It was a beautiful day. It was sunny and nice. It says at kickoff it was 49 degrees. Is 49 that, degrees. That sounds, yeah, that sounds right. And the whole year we talked about whether or not it would snow. Like the whole year we talked about and that. And the beginning of the week was freezing. I mean, frigid with wind. You could die from it. It was so cold. And Super Bowl Sunday, it was genuinely a golf day. It was sunny and 49. I played golf last week. It was less than 49 with degrees. With a bad back. With a bad back. So, and they, 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 they are all powerful. So, if they put Rodgers. <laughs> or they put the Packers five times in prime time, it just makes you kind of perk your ears up. Greeny presented by Progressive's Home Insurance. Get your quote at Progressive.com today. That thought, the other group of people always knows everything is Vegas. So it is always worth taking a look at what Vegas thinks. Give me the Packers and give me the Broncos opening week lines and what I should be thinking. Let's see. Well, Broncos open at the Giants. What is that spread? Broncos opened as a pick'em against the Giants. It has now moved to Broncos as a one-point favorite. Okay, so that's a hedge because with Rodgers, the Broncos are a touchdown favorite in that game. Mm-hmm. With no Rodgers, the Giants are probably a field goal favorite. Does that, that sound right? right? Ten-point swing? Does that sound roughly right to you? Roughly, yes. So for the Broncos to be a one-point, that feels like a hedge. That feels like Vegas is sort of putting themselves right in between and they're ready to go either way. Want another hedge? And Yeah, let me hear the Packers open as a one-and-a-half-point underdog at the Saints. That line has already moved to Packers a three-point underdog in just one day. So that is the whole world betting New Orleans. That's right. Because they all assume Rodgers is not going to be there. That's right. So, and I think that's, I think that's right because there are two scenarios in which, well, there are three scenarios in which Rodgers is not playing for the Packers week one. There's only one scenario in which he's playing for the Broncos. Right, he gets traded to Denver. There are other, the other scenarios are a he's sitting out and not playing for anybody. B he gets traded to somebody else. I mean, there are. I think the overwhelming belief and likelihood is that it is Denver, but it's not a lock. So the chances that he's not a Packer are not the same as the chances that he's a Bronco. So that makes sense to me. Give me some other. While you mention that, the first thing you said to me when I came in this morning, as I cracked the first of my two lattes was that a bunch of lines had moved. What surprised. else moved yesterday? So Baltimore opened as a seven-point favorite week one against Las Vegas. That's the hottest ticket, by the way. They've already gone down to minus four. Everyone is betting on Las Vegas. That line has moved three points in one day. That's a lot. Th- that is the first Monday night game of the year. Mm-hmm. It is also the reason the ticket is so expensive is because it is the first ever home game in Las Vegas with fans. Remember, they, they were the Vegas Raiders already last year, but they were no fans. So average, this will be the first time. The average ticket price for that game is $938 right now, according to Vivid Seats. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, I get it. Because, yeah. A, look, those are going to be hot. Vegas tickets are going to be unbelievable. Like, the whole world is going to Vegas to watch football games. That is going to be a smash success. It's not just going to be local people there. Local people will be there, will be fans. But every fan is going, you live in Baltimore? That's the game I'm going to on the road. Right? If the Jets go there, if I'm going to go to one, if I'm a Jet fan and I'm going to go to one road game, mm-hmm. that's the one I'm going to. Are you kidding? We're going to Vegas <laughs> for the weekend. Now we're going to we'll watch the Jets play. If you're in Chicago right now and the Bears are going, are, are on their, are looking at all their road games, you're going to Vegas. 
those games are going to be overwhelmingly populated by visiting teams fans. You think we'll see the NBA and Major League Baseball take note and go there as fast as possible? Um, I wouldn't be surprised. Mm. I mean, there's all this talk about the A's yeah. moving. That the problem with that is they would have to play in a in a in a domed stadium, right? Yes. In a close, you can't play baseball like in, in Vegas, like in Arizona, like they do in Arizona. Right. I mean, it gets 110. I, I was the hottest I've ever been in my life. Yeah. I went to Vegas. I covered Holmes Holyfield. June, I want to say, of 92. I got into the car. I, I rented a car. I got into the car. I could not touch the steering wheel for like 20 minutes. <laughs> it was so <laughs> unimaginably hot. The steering wheel was like on fire. Um, it is like touching a stove. That was what the steering wheel was like in, Ve- in a car in Vegas in June. That's it right. is hot. June 92, you had it right. Yeah, it, it was. I remember the fight. It was horrendous. It was a terrible fight. When the fight ended, Larry Holmes threw up in the ring, and I thought it was a, a perfect way to describe the, <laughs> the fight. It was just awful. What else? What other line has moved? So the Chargers open as a pick on the road against Washington. The Chargers are now a one-point favorite. That line, that line moved one point in the Chargers' direction. I like Washington in that game. One more? One more. The Jags open minus one against the Texans. They're now minus two and a half. One and a half points in Jacksonville's favor just in one day. And where is that game? That's the game's in Houston. That is fascinating. Can you imagine how bad the world has to believe that the Texans are going to be, that they are home against a team that lost their last 15 games in a row last year, and they are a two-and-a-half-point underdog. Boy, they really think they stink. Right. And I can't argue with it. I, mm-hmm. I have no reason to argue with it. You know, getting rid of those black streaks on your roof with spray and forget is as easy as literally spraying and forget about it. Spray and forget, it's that easy. Bob Costas is on the way, and coming up next... Two huge names might be on the verge of getting traded, and I'm not talking about Aaron Rodgers. You'll hear who they are next on ESPN Radio. KJC. But I don't believe that Aaron Rodgers will not play football this season. I believe he will play. It just won't be in Green Bay. More from Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin tomorrow morning starting at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN2. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. 
Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Greeny, the podcast. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Don't miss Bob Costas in 15 minutes on the Goodyear Hotline. In just 30 seconds, I will tell you about two members of the One Name Club that might be on the verge of getting traded. One name. And I'm not talking about Aaron. I'll give you those names in 30 seconds. But for those 30 seconds, I'll remind you about Vivid Seats and the 2021 NFL schedule has been released. So the season's around the corner. Live events are making a comeback. There's no better place to be than Vivid Seats to get back into the action. So grab your NFL tickets. Cheer on your favorite team from the stands. It feels great to finally be able to say that. You were telling me as we were looking over the list of Tickets people are most excited about on Vivid Seats. The number one game is? Buccaneers at Patriots, October 3rd. The average ticket price for that game is $1,370. That, of course, is Brady's return to Foxborough. Maybe the most anticipated NFL regular season game ever. Either way, Vivid Seats is the place to go to get all your tickets. And even better, earn up to 9% cash back with Vivid Seats rewards. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Now, so for all the talk about Aaron Rodgers possibly getting traded, and he may, there are two members of the One Name Club who also might wind up being traded before the season begins. And by one name, I mean the very obvious one. There are certain people who are famous that all you need to do is say one name. If I say share, you don't say, which share are you referring to? If I say Beyonce, you don't say, hmm, which Beyonce do I think Greeny means here? There aren't that many athletes that fall in that category, right? Not that many people in sports. Members of the one name. You just need one name. Like, I always just say Michael. But in reality, there are other Michaels. Now, I think if you just say Michael, everybody knows who you mean. Kobe is a member of the one name club and would deserve to be anyway. It's also just an unusual name. There just aren't a lot of Kobe's out there. But anyway, two members of the one-name club in the NFL might get traded, and Diana Rossini was the one who told us about both of these this morning. And the first is Julio. You don't need me to tell you which Julio. But a little detective work tells us that the Falcons released their, can't decide if it was a video now or a, a calendar. They did something where they released their season schedule, and they had, they had pictures or images of many of their stars, and it did not include Julio. And that's always one of those where you start looking at it and you wonder. There was a lot of talk about Julio possibly being traded before the draft. And according to Diana, that talk continues. She said that they, the offers were really not very exciting before the draft for the Falcons. We'll see if we get into training camp, that kind of area. If there's a team out there that decides they are Julio Jones away from winning a Super Bowl. I'm looking at this wall. It's a schedule wallpaper that you're mentioning. There's... Looks like six guys on this, including Youngway Koo, the kicker. But I don't see Julio Jones. <laughs> they have Youngway Koo, the kicker, <laughs> yeah. on the schedule release poster, but not Julio. I see Matt Ryan. I see a couple more linemen. I see Calvin Ridley. I see Youngway Koo, but no Julio Jones. No Julio. 
So that's number one. The other member of the one name club is Deshaun. And that obviously is an entirely different circumstance. I've told you many times, I don't feel comfortable talking about Deshaun um, in the context of will he be traded or anything involving his football future because clearly the issues that surround him right now are so much more important than football and those will have to get resolved. But we are a sports show and for the purposes of the reporting on this, it is important, I think, Diana telling us that there are teams out there, there are people out there who believe that he will be traded, that if and when one way or another the legal issues that surround him right now are resolved. And again, we have no idea what the resolution of that will be. And I, and I, I don't want to pretend I have any idea, but that if indeed they are resolved in such a way that he is eligible to play, that there is a belief around the league that he is going to be traded, that he will still be traded before the season. Well, they signed Terod Taylor. Right. And they drafted a kid that you like a lot in Davis, Davis Mills. Mills. That indicates to me that there's, Perhaps at least something there. Yeah. I mean, look, he had made it clear. Look how, look, the conversation is, again, this is why I don't even want to go down this road because the conversation is so completely different now than it was when we were talking about it at the beginning of the offseason. And Deshaun was just a guy who wanted out and we were lining up on both sides. Is the owner wrong and all that kind of, well, that just obviously feels like a, it's just an inap- a completely inappropriate conversation to be having in the context of the very serious issues that surround him. So I just wanted to mention Diana's reporting is that there are still people around the league who believe he will be traded. So that is two very significant players who may wind up getting traded. All right, before Bob Costas joins us. I'm ready to go right now. Green light, green light with Greeny. I'm going to give Hembo a green light. We haven't done it all week long, and there is a bunch of baseball out there. Hembo, give me a little baseball. What should everybody be thinking about? Green, I've said it before. I'll say it again. This is the year of the pitcher 2.0. This is 1968 all over again, but it's not Jacob deGrom that we should be paying attention to. Garrett Cole was brilliant last night in Tampa Bay. He threw eight innings, no runs allowed, 12 strikeouts, and zero walks in a one nothing win. That, to me, is the most important part, mm. that it was one nothing. You know, it's one thing to do that if you're up 7 nothing, right. because, you know, you nibble, you do whatever you want to do. Is 12 strikeouts, zero walks, eight innings, and a one nothing win, especially in a big series, but against anybody. That's a magnificent performance. He practically won the game by himself. Earl this Chapman saved the ninth. He's been brilliant this season as well. Garrett Colgreeny has struck out 56 batters since he issued his last walk. That is tied for the longest streak of its kind all time, and for the season now, Garrett Cole, these are video game type numbers. 78 strikeouts against three walks. That's unbelievable, especially at a time in the sport where the walk is every offensive player's like nirvana. Like this is all they want to do is walk against you anymore. Let's just say that again to make sure it's clear. He has struck out 56 batters since his last walk tied for the longest stretch of its kind in the history of the sport. Since the mound was moved to its current distance in 93. 1893. 1893. <laughs> I mean, Johnny Dickshot was pitching the last time anybody struck out this many guys in a row. So if he if he strikes out another batter before he issues a walk, he will set that record. He will set that record. In 2021. Absurd. That's unimaginable. So that's remarkable. Again, he already has three starts this season with at least 12 strikeouts, zero walks, and zero runs allowed. Pedro Martinez in 2000 was the last guy to do it. Sandy Koufax in 1965 the guy before him. We'll talk plenty of baseball and more when the great Bob Costas joins me next on ESPN Radio.
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call ClickGranger.com or just stop by. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio and again streaming every single day on ESPN+. Plus. We come to you live from above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. And the great Bob Costas will join me in exactly 30 seconds. I will spend those 30 seconds reminding you that the 2021 NFL season and the schedule has officially been released. And that means the season is around the corner. Live events are making a comeback and there's no better place to get your tickets than Vivid Seats. Get you right back into the action. Grab your NFL tickets. Cheer on your favorite team from the stands. We talked about the biggest game is going to be Brady's return to Foxborough. It's just so good to be seeing fans back, and I'm sure the atmosphere will be spectacular. And even better, with Vivid Seats, you can earn up to 9% cash back with Vivid Seats rewards. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. And with that, it's always my pleasure to welcome to the program the one, the only, Bob Costas with us here on ESPN Radio. Good morning, Bob. Hello, Mike. How are you? I'm well. Where do we find you these days? Where, 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 is, where is Bob Costas spending this lovely May? In a general sense, I am in Southern California. <laughs> okay, fair enough. See, you never know. So I was just—I actually thought. I wonder how early in the morning it is where we have found Mr. Costas. It is a pleasure, and you know what, Bob? I, it, these are heady times for baseball, and those of us like you and me who love it. TV ratings are up at a time when that is fairly uncommon in sports in general. To what do you attribute that, Bob? I am at a loss. I'm happy about it. What's your theory? He asked what your theory. Oh, what is my theory? I'm what? sorry. I thought, yes. I thought you got cut off. I, I actually thought my, my, my theory <laughs> is that there is just some, there is some, an element of normalcy that is returning to our lives on some level, and baseball is so normal. It just feels so normal to have a ball game on that, that there's something about, about baseball's rhythm, which has always meant the beginning of spring, that particularly for those of us who live in cold-weather places. Now, Bob, you're in Southern California. I, I don't know exactly what it's been like there. I can tell you that here in New York, the winter was brutal. I mean, just brutal, more so than usual, because mm-hmm. not only is it cold and everything else, but everything is closed, and you couldn't do anything outside, which is where things were safe to do during the, the worst of the pandemic, because it was too cold to do anything outside. And so I think there is something about the, re- the coming of spring, the return of spring, the return of some degree of normalcy that baseball fits nicely into. I, I, that probably is a stupid idea, but it's the best one I could come up with. It's not a stupid idea. It's as good as anything I could come up with. So what do you need me for here? I mean, you basically got it covered. 
<laughs> See, I should just ask. This is what I've felt for a long time, Bob. I should just ask and answer the questions, right? I mean, the show yeah. at, that, at that point would be outstanding. It would. It would. And, and, and it would cut overhead somewhat. <laughs> Although not, Bob. Not, not a lot, because as I as I think about it, this is yet another pro bono exp- uh, appearance. But nonetheless, that's right. I mean, I could triple what we're paying you today, Bob, and it wouldn't cost yeah, the company yeah, anything. That, so. <laughs> that, is, that is correct. <laughs> We'd be fine. And happily so. Uh, the, the other thing that's interesting about it, uh, we were, Hembo and I were just talking about it, that this is the year of the pitcher. 2.0. And, and so this, this you know, with, with the great pitching that we are seeing, Garrett Cole, brilliant last night, we used Jacob deGrom and some others. And w- the, the, perhaps the longstanding belief that the key to baseball attracting an audience was in huge outlandish offensive numbers, maybe that is being to some degree disproven by the fact that this renewed interest in the sport is coming at a time that we are living through another year of do- or a year of dominant pitching. Yeah, I don't think that fans, especially only a month, month and a half into the season, are that mindful of trends. I think what you said earlier makes sense, even though the stadiums, by and large, except maybe in Atlanta and in Texas, aren't full. uh, It still feels close to normal. There are some fans in the stands. They're playing in their own ballparks. There's anticipation that wherever the World Series is, it's going to be in a home team's ballpark and not in a bubble. I think that probably has more to do with it than people perceiving trends at this point. But that trend is that velocity is so up. It used to be noteworthy when someone threw more than 90 miles an hour. Now 90 is beneath the average big league fastball. And it is not eyebrow raising at all when someone hits or approaches 100 miles an hour. This is why you hear talk of moving the mound back a foot and other things. So you've got all this increased velocity, plus with legitimate technology, in addition to perhaps cheating at the edges with substances and whatnot on the baseball. I'm not talking about steroids in this mm-hmm. case, but legitimate sports technology and sports science has increased the efficiency of pitchers in addition to velocity getting maximum spin rate and all those things. And then you combine it with a generation or more of hitters who are more concerned with launch angle, not all of them, but the majority of them, more concerned with launch angle than contact. How are you going to make consistent contact when you're swinging for the fences and somebody has maximized spin rate plus is approaching 100 miles an hour? Uh, It's a pretty easy conclusion to reach that this favors pitchers. And I kind of like it. And, and, and I think it sort of flies in the face of what people might have previously expected. And that doesn't mean that we are without problems. But it, what is delightful, Bob, I will, I will give you a little background here. So I, I believe you know Hembo, my man Hembo, who loves baseball more than maybe even more than you do. I've never met anyone who loves anything mm-hmm. like he loves baseball. And he sent me a variety of questions. You know, I said, oh, we have Bob coming on tomorrow. Send me a bunch of stuff. He sends me a bunch of stuff. And not one of them was here's how we fix baseball. Not one of them was here's mm-hmm. what's wrong. Let's try and fix it. And, and for so long, it feels like all of the baseball conversations have been about what's wrong. How do we go about fixing it? And it doesn't feel like that is the conversation. I don't hear it when I'm listening to talk shows. I don't read it much when I read columnists whose opinions I value. It's not one of the first things you or I wanted to talk about. And this conversation, just that in and of itself, I think is refreshing. Yeah, it's a positive, no question about it. 
Let's just note something that's real, though. Theo Epstein is now working in the commissioner's office, and part of his job is to rein in the monster he helped to create. Mm -hmm. And I'm not being critical of him when I say that. Uh, He broke long droughts in both Boston and in Chicago. He's going to go in the Hall of Fame as one of the best executives of his time. But even he concedes that some of what analytics brought about that might have provided a competitive edge is bad for baseball as an entertainment product. So even if our attentions are temporarily elsewhere, uh, that doesn't mean that people are turning their back on a problem that has built over time and that they have to experiment with various ways, at least toss around ideas to address. And without being uh, a doom and gloom guy, there is something which I hope they can handle that's looming, which is yet another likely contentious disagreement over the upcoming uh, collective bargaining agreement. (laughs) If it is an agreement, it's seldom really an agreement. (laughs) It's usually just kind of a a war of attrition and then a truce at the end. And so much of it plays out publicly. Uh, It never works to baseball's advantage. And I, I hope they can Uh, if not avoid it, at least kind of tamp it down this time around. I agree. And the animosity there feels as though it is um, at at the sort of level that that I recall it being back in the days when we would frequently have prolonged work stoppages. Let's hope we don't get there. Mm -hmm. Greeny and Bob Costas. Okay, so here's, here, Bob, here's what what we do. Rather than seeing a problem and just bemoaning it, Hembo and I actually attacked one of them after our last conversation with you. And here's one of our suggestions. Mm -hmm. And I'm delighted to tell you that coincidentally or otherwise – Like three days after we said this on the air, the Atlantic League adopted this rule, which is one of the things I think that baseball misses to some degree is the legendary starting pitcher still out there in the seventh inning, the eighth inning, Mm -hmm. facing the slugger and, you know, in in a big moment in the eighth inning, you know, the way I I remember, you know, watching Reggie Jackson when I was a kid going up against the the legendary starting pitcher in the World Series. So we attacked it this way. This would be the rule. Universal DH, so there's a DH in both leagues. Every game in Major League Baseball is played with a DH. But when the starting pitcher is removed, the DH goes away. And that would be Mm -hmm. an an, an incentive for teams to leave their starting pitcher out there longer if they are pitching well, pitch deeper into games. Uh, Obviously, the legendary moment that took place in the World Series last year maybe doesn't happen. And again, we talked about this on the air. Three days later, I think it was, the Atlantic League adopted the idea. What do you, Bob, think of the idea? Pluses and minuses, universal DH, which probably is inevitable, takes away uh, some of the subtleties and texture of the National League game. I'm not saying they need a Ph.D. to pull off a double switch, <laughs> but the, the National League game can be more strategically interesting. And there may be unintended consequences. It may sound good on the face of it uh, to what they're experimenting with in the Atlantic League. Uh, but there are so many potential drawbacks. The guys get knocked around in the first or second inning, but you're not really out of the game. Um, should you remove him at this point and then play at a huge disadvantage, or do you leave him in and he gets further pummeled in the games out of hand by the second or third inning? Uh, I think a lot of managers would have a very difficult time with that, but that's why they should experiment with everything, with, with a pitch clock, with banning shifts, with the the new Atlantic League rule that you just described. They should experiment with everything at various levels of the minor leagues, which is what they're doing. That's why Tia Epstein and others have turned their attentions to it. Try everything and see what actually seems to work out. 
I like that. And you know what? I knew I anticipated that issue. And Hembo and I actually just came up with a corollary, if you will. You know, one of my favorite things about the record book, excuse me, about the rule book in baseball is is the indexing. It's like there's rule 134-7.B and then C and then D. So all I need Mm -hmm. is like one follow-up, which is that if you remove your pitcher in the first three innings, this rule does not apply and then applies when you make the next pitching change. And that would address what you're talking about, which is my pitcher just doesn't have it tonight. And it would still alleviate – the problem we're trying to address is a guy has thrown 87 pitches. It was the DeGrom game that we first started talking about this early. How many pitches had he thrown? Around 90 pitches. His first start of the year, but he was shoving. He was was untouchable. He had thrown 80-something pitches, I think it was, and they took him out. And, 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 and the whole world went crazy. And, and so that was when we first decided that's what we're trying to, to stave off, Bob. We're, we're not obviously trying to mandate that every pitcher has to go seven innings if he can't. But at the pitch, what we want to do is leave the guy in there if he obviously can. So that would be the way we would. That's my first corollary to the rule. That's a reasonable response. You've obviously given this more deep thought than I have. Uh, on the other <laughs> hand, it would take away <laughs> with, it, without that corollary, it, it would have taken away what is an interesting uh, strategic wrinkle, which uh, the Rays were the first to initiate and then um, others followed in some cases, which is the idea of an opener, uh, which is not not a bad idea in certain situations. It's an interesting idea in certain situations. But back to your original point, it used to be, don't want to sound like back in my day, but it used to be you looked in the paper or whatever uh, before the internet, you actually held the newspaper and you looked at it, you said, oh, look at this. Tom Tom Seaver, Tom Seaver going up against Don Sutton mm-hmm. or whatever it might be. This is a matchup you wanted to see. And you anticipated that they would each go deep into the game. And what you described was also part of the intrigue. Okay, up comes Willie Stargell, let's say, against Seaver. Now we're talking about a different game because now the Mets are playing the Pirates. So <laughs> Willie Stargell comes up, and it's the eighth inning, and it's a key situation. Now it's automatic, no matter how good the starting pitcher is. If it's Max Scherzer, and now the game is 2-1, to one, and there are runners on first and second, and it's the eighth inning, and the heart of the order is coming up, Max Scherzer probably doesn't get a chance to work his way out of that situation. It was never a thought if Tom Seaver was on the mound or Juan Marichal was on the mound or whatever the case might have been. But part of your thought, if you had followed the entire game, was what did Stargell hit for the double back in the fourth? Mm -hmm. And what did he strike him out on in the sixth? And Seaver and Stargell are also playing that cat-and-mouse game. That's part of the fascinating texture of a pitcher's duel where each pitcher goes deep into the game. What you're describing is what makes baseball great. And that's one of the things we're trying desperately to bring back because that is one of the many things that I'm envisioning anyone under the age of 25 listening to this conversation saying, boy, I hadn't even thought of that because it never occurred to me that was something that might happen (laughs) in a baseball game. The great Bob Costas is with us. Let me ask you a question that came up here. We're going to do this right off the top of your head, so I, 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 I grant it might take you a minute. But in the context of an entirely other discussion, uh, on the show the other day, we started trying to figure out who was the team of the future. I remember when the Cubs won the World Series five years ago, I remember saying to my wife, who was born and raised in Chicago, the even better news is they're so young, they're so good, 
They're good at all the important places. It's all the position players. It's none of, no pitchers whose arms are going to fall off. They're going to be great for the next 10 years. And, of course, I couldn't have been more wrong, and she has thus discounted my opinions on anything that I mention in sports. But with that thought in mind, Bob, right now, if you had to pick a team of the future over the next 10 years in Major League Baseball, if you had to bet an amount of money that mattered to you on which team will win the most championships for the next 10 years, who would it be? I don't think you can project 10 years in modern sports anymore. Baseball, certainly not, except in this respect. The Yankees are almost always going to be good. Maybe not as good as their fans hope or anticipate in a given season. We'll see how this year plays out. But they're in the market. They have the resources. The Yankees, the Dodgers are Mm. always going to be competitive. And despite their recent troubles, you look at the Dodgers roster, they're going to be there for uh, the rest of this year. At some point, they're going to get it back on track. Uh, And they have so much quality on their roster now and they have the resources, and they have the market. So over the next 10 years, will the Yankees and Dodgers frequently, if not always, contend? I would think so. Um, Maybe the team of right now, rather than the future, is on the other side of Chicago, on the south side. Mm -hmm. The White Sox have all kinds of talent, most of it young. The Padres in the National League probably fit that description. So maybe the White Sox and the Padres, one in each league. That's a better uh, point. And, And let me finish it by pointing out to you that the struggles the Dodgers are having that you just referred to are very likely my fault as well. So, so I want you to hear just the, the inanity yeah. of this. A film you will remember from the 70s that I loved, which was a movie called Heaven Can Wait with Warren Beatty. Remember that movie? Mm-hmm. Yes, so, yes. So that's the movie, and I described it on the air. Warren Beatty, in very, very general terms, was a football player who gets killed, comes back as a billionaire, buys a football team, and makes himself the quarterback. That, that's the basic premise plausible. of the movie. It's plausible. It, yeah. it could happen. So I, yeah. I then said, are the, I said to Hembo on the air one day, are the Dodgers so good that if I bought them and mandated that I had to play every day, you could put me anywhere you want, but I had to be in the lineup every single day, we could still win. (laughs) Max Kellerman, who hosts a show that comes up later in the day after mine here, had the manager, Dave Roberts, on the show. (laughs) And for reasons known only to Max, asked him about that. So poor Dave Roberts has to actually respond to that. And from that moment on, Bob, they have the worst record in the National League. So I think it is possible that my just putting that thought out there into the atmosphere has actually destroyed the Dodgers' season. What do you think? I think that's as good an explanation as any, because when you look at the quality of their roster, uh, this recent skid is almost inexplicable until I learn of what you have just laid out. I think all of it uh, is attributable to whatever effect it is that you have on the baseball zeitgeist. I think so, too. Hembo actually insulted me by suggesting that if I had to play every day, they would put me in foul territory, right? Didn't you say? (laughs) You'd straddle the left field line. And I said to him, look, I I get that you're going to put your center fielder, you know, you're going to play two outfielders for all intents and purposes, but you could at least leave me in fair territory. (laughs) I could, Bob, I could stand there and do something. You know, we, when we were younger, we all had this thought. Yeah. Could I, could I play a game? Where would they put me? You know, um, I guess if it was an American League game, they could DH you and mm. at least you'd know, go for four or for five or whatever, but at least you wouldn't hurt them in the field. Yeah. Or if you had to play, if this was some sort of proposition that each team had to do for one game out of 162, each team had to do it. 
And they would probably pick a game against the weakest possible opponent. And then the best strategic thing to do would be to have you move from left field to right field for each batter, keep moving back and forth, depending upon where their analytics and the pitcher's approach told them it was least likely that the ball would be hit. Right. That makes sense. But at least I'm in fair territory. In Bob's plan, I'm in fair territory. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You favor Bob's plan. We, Bob, we decided that Greeny would cost the Dodgers between 15 and 20 wins if he played for them every season. Does that sound right to you? Well, when you consider that by war, and I'm not exactly uh, sure that war explains everything. You know, when <laughs> analytics guys throw war out, I'm, I'm throwing Edwin Starr out. War! What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Say it again. But nonetheless, if I'm not going to contradict myself and actually use war, I don't even think Babe Ruth in his greatest seasons in the 1920s was a plus 15 war guy. Right. So how bad could Greeny be to be minus 15? Bob, I have to to do this, but we're out of time. Thank you, as always. It is such a pleasure. You are the very best. I have to go. Everybody, thanks for being here. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast.